the citrus state. I don't know. Yeah, you nailed it. The Orlando Pride Man. 24 primary. There you go. You knew. Citrus <laughs> I pick. I did it, I swear. <laughs> you read it before. We all know. I did it. This game is very telling to me because when you look at Mexico, those are a lot of players that have come through our system. Right. Youth national teams. They played for clubs in America. They went to American colleges. So, like, are we doing the wrong scouting of players? Are we picking too much of the same player to be on our national team? Dean Smith has made, I think, a massive impact on that club. It was a home game for Charlotte, so you felt that energy. But you also saw the pressure of the, the team, like their defensive shape, their defensive pressure on NYCFC was really strong. Carolina did find a coach that was took you a little bit too literally, Scotty. Like Dean Smith is a very famous name here in the Carolinas. <laughs> Welcome back into Straight from the Pitch. Joined as always by Scotty Schweitzer. I'm Anna Witte. We've taken a week off, and in that week, the CONCACAF Gold Cup started. The U.S. Women's National Team came up with wins against the Dominican. They came up with a win against Argentina. Monday night, they lost to Mexico 2-0 for the second time ever in history. Before we came into this tournament, uh, Alyssa Thompson was out due to a back injury. Becky Sauerbron came in for an injured Alana Cook. Mia Fischel tore ACL, and that's why we saw Alex Morgan in a number seven this past week. Now, between the Argentina game and the Mexico game, there were seven changes to the starting 11, which is, Scotty, what we've been wanting to see is the mix-up and different players playing together on the field. But in this Mexico game in particular, what was not clicking for this team to not only to lose, but to not even be able to get a goal? Uh, I think we, we get changes. And what we, the fans and people are looking for is when there's changes made in the lineup, that would then dictate a different style of play because different players have different mentalities, different skill sets. So we see a different style of play against Mexico, against Dominican Republic, against Argentina. There's been no difference in the style of play, just different players on the field trying to do basically the same things as we've been doing, which didn't work in the World Cup for us. Um, and, and it hasn't really been working lately, in my opinion. I know we win against Dominican Republic for nothing, but Mexico. Who five nothing. Just beat, Dominican, Dominican five, Argentina four. Oh, okay, Dominican five. Mm -hmm. They beat them eight nothing. Like, just a different style. Like, Mexico, I thought, did a really good job of understanding how to beat us. We, we again, we saw in the first half, for sure, Rodman and Williams and Smith were really Rodman and Williams. They never switched sides. They never came across the field. There was no diagonal runs. It was all straight line runs. Haran basically played on the left side of the, the left 10, and Lavelle was basically the right 10. Our, our most dangerous players were Crystal Dunn and... And Emily Fox. And Emily Fox probably played the most free of every player on the field. You know, she gets a shot in the first half and she gets it on the left side of the field and comes across to her right. And she's our right back at the time playing. So to me, it's like she's taking a brand of soccer that she's had, added a little bit of dimension to it been, since she's been in Europe and is now moving up and down the pitch based on what's good for the game and what's good for the team. Whereas the rest of the players seem like they're just on tracks and they just go straight lines and they're Mexico – is a pressing team, but they know that they can't press a full 90 minutes against us, and I don't think any team could do it. So what they would do is they they sit in a low block and they get the ball in a certain area of the field, and then they press, or then, okay, we have our energy back, and then they press high. And they, they also, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to press us. That's for sure. 
And then when you do win it, you're going to have to be able to play out of tight spaces. And Mexico has the players that are able to play out of tight spaces. They can't keep the ball forever because we are so physically sound. We are so fast. Um, so we can win the ball back, but that just kills the game for a little bit, lets them get their energy, lets them move up the field, lets them clear spaces, and then they they go right back at getting into their shape, getting you in a certain area, and then pressing the ball again. And, and they did it to perfection, and they did it all night long, and it didn't matter who came in. Their subs came in and did the job exactly like was being done by the starters. And, and yeah, that's what causes the problem for the U.S. We, we don't see situations, we don't read the game good enough to then understand what we have to come in and out of in style of plays and tactical changes. And, and we get caught playing the same ball over and over. And we're just real, real predictable in how we play. Yeah, it was, you had mentioned it before we started recording. It was the Abby Dahlkemper ball over the top, expecting a player to run onto it. And I think too, I remember after the World Cup game against Sweden, the biggest thing that we had noticed and talked about was the forwards were on that track. Like you just mentioned, Rodman, Smith were just doing their jobs on the flank and there wasn't much interchanging and there wasn't much unpredictability from the U.S. when it came to the attack. And it felt like the U.S. kind of fell into that same conversation like Smith wasn't doing anything different Rodman outside of one shot in the game there wasn't much that she was creating herself and even though they were throwing out different starting 11s throughout the tournament which I think is a, a really massive positive that we can't forget for this national team I still thought there was a lot of players who eventually became a little bit complacent um, you brought up a great point about Becky Sarabron coming in for Alana Cook right before the tournament because Cook came up with an injury Sauerbrunn started in the game against Mexico. She wasn't even originally on this roster. Why do you think Kilgore put her in that starting 11 if before this tournament she didn't even want her? Yeah, I I, I don't know. Um, did somebody, did Germa pick up a little bit of a tweak? Is, is Was she sore? You're figuring they're not bringing her in because they want to see other players. Uh, right. I know you're trying to win a tournament. You're trying to have your legs ready, your best players legs great underneath them for when you get further down the road in the tournament. But for me is like a player that wasn't on the roster who's coming in to take the place of an injured player. And you have Davidson and Germa. You still have three center backs that you brought in that you must have wanted to see. Okay. We don't need to see Germa, but how's Davidson? Was it, was it because she's coming back from an ACL, but you know, she had a lot of time last year still to be recovering. You would think she's not struggling for minutes. She's not struggling for fitness. So you would think she could be able to, she would be able to play. I, I don't understand why she, and I'm pretty sure she's gotten two starts now. Like for me is here's a player that wasn't on the roster and now has logged two starts in three games to, it just doesn't make sense. I would think we would want to see other players and other other players playing with each other to see what the matchups are and how it works. And yeah. and we're, we're not seeing that. We're seeing Sauerbrahm, which we've seen for a very long time, and we know what she can do and what she can't do. So it didn't make any sense to me why she would be in, in these games so much. Right. And it wasn't even like Sarah Braun was playing next to a player that she ha we haven't seen her play with before. She was playing next to Dahl Kemper, who we've seen that combination so many times. Um, and even if there was a, a change, like even if Kruger was out there, I don't know. I, I think if it was they had Fox, Sarah Braun and Dahl Kemper, and that is a combination we've seen a lot. And even at halftime, there were some changes made to the starting 11. I think I would have liked to see 
maybe a few more changes to the back line. I know Sauerbrunn like took full accountability for that goal. And it was a, a great ball in from Mexico. Just like you said, they took their chance and they went for it. Uh, but I think overall, not a strong performance by the U.S., but I am happy to see that they are pushing towards that new generation, like what Moultrie did early on in the tournament, what we saw from Jaden Shaw, Coffey, Albert getting minutes and big minutes, and even Casey Murphy stepping in goal. It wasn't just Nair there. The entire tournament is something that I think we'll see going forward, and, and hopefully we still see somewhat of a combination in the quarters this weekend. Yeah, I, I know it'll be interesting to see who gets to play the next game because I, I did. I thought Moultrie did real well. And I, I said earlier that, you know, the Dominican Republic game to me is, is a hard game to really judge because I don't think Dominican Republic is that qual high of a quality opponent. So there right. was things that were taking place that I don't think would have happened in the Mexico game. But that's what you want to see a Moultrie. That's where you want to see these these players that you not necessarily see all the time. And can they handle it and do do they understand? I thought one big part was Jenny Chu said at halftime, she had talked to the coach, Kilgore, and Kilgore said she wasn't really changing anything. She was more showing them the solutions. And that, that struck me as odd, just being that these are national team players. These are professional soccer players that you should be there because you're great at problem solving, mm -hmm. not just because you have a skill set that you run a 40 in this time or you can dribble this like Soccer is about solving problems. It's not a game where everything's perfect. It's actually a game of mistakes. And who can, who can take advantage of the mistakes? When we make a mistake, can we solve the problem and fix it? When they make a mistake, can we punish them for it? And that's what the game is really all about with your skill sets involved. And for her to have to show them solutions at halftime, that's a long time to wait before we've adapted to this game and made changes and found solutions of how we're going to beat the opponent we're playing against. So that was like that you have to tell them like, that's your job. I understand as a coach, but like that should be being delayed from the sidelines as we see it during the game. That should be picked up by our captain. That should be picked up by our center backs. That should be being translated throughout the game and being communicated by the whole team. And it never seems like we do any of that. And I thought this game was very, as the game went, we got more and more, nervous play in our play like mm -hmm. sometimes okay we're down but we, and we start to push and we start to go at them but this game was like we got more and more nervous there was more mistouches in the back there were more bad clearances there was more bad passes that we, we got antsy we got like jittery and, and yeah i haven't seen us play like that we haven't we didn't play good in the world cup but i never thought we were like jittery and scared and, and no. a little bit we looked we looked scared against Mexico and in the sense of I don't want to let us down. I don't want to be the ones that lose the first time in 80 games or whatever it's been. The first time to have a team score on us in group stages in the in the CONCACAF Gold Cup. Like there was just a lot of things that happened and you're watching. You're like, to me, this was a very telling game. I know they're saying, oh, we're not going to get anybody's easy game. And but this game is very telling to me because when you look at Mexico, those are a lot of players that have come through our system, right. youth national teams. They played for clubs in America. They went to American colleges. So, like, are we doing the wrong scouting of players? Are we picking too much of the same player to be on our national team? Because Mexico had players, and you're like, why? Why isn't she playing for America? She has, a, she's a citizen of American. She has a dual citizenship. That's why she's playing for Mexico. I just. I thought the game was very, very telling. And that might be where Emma Hayes might have noticed that. And like, that's why they're bringing in 
newer players. Like they now know that there has to be more of a revolving door in these camps to have different players come in. I agree with you on that piece. Um, also the piece that we saw coming out of the world cup was we wanted to be like more tactically sound. We wanted to play with the ball a little better, a little bit better. We wanted to be more direct in the game against Mexico. There was the defensive shape was off. Uh, doll Kemper at moments was a step off. Like she had to kind of fall back into panic, panic mode at moments to retrieve the ball. I mean, that's how the first goal by Mexico was scored. How does the U S fix their defensive shape problem while they're also trying, trying to have that revolving door of new players coming in? I think part of the problem defensively, because you're talking about some really good defensive players right? that, that know the game, but what was happening is we were being countered because of Mexico's press. So what we're doing is Lavelle and Haran are super stretched, which then makes the triangle centrally, which you're supposed to do. And, and then we get our forwards super high. And then now we're pressed up with Dunn and, and Fox. So we are trying to stretch them in order to be able to play through them. But we were giving the ball away. And Mexico was pressing and could play a one-two to get out of pressure and then a long ball which was available because all the angles were available. All, all the gaps were available because we were so stretched because we normally don't lose the ball as much as I thought we were losing the ball last night. We, we usually keep it a little bit cleaner, a little bit better, not, not much, but a little bit. So what, what happens is when we lose it, we're more connected. We're closer to their goal. So our shape's a little tighter, but, but it wasn't happening. It was happening on different parts of the pitch where they were able to get out and then get at us because we ourselves were stretched based on how we were playing offensively. Mexico ended the U.S. Women's National Team 33 straight shutouts in CONCACAF competition. So the U.S. will now get the second seed. Mexico won Group A after their win over the U.S. on Monday night. There's still two days left to go in the group stage play. We're recording this on a Tuesday. So there's Tuesday night games. There'll be Wednesday night games. And then the quarterfinals will be played on Saturday and Sunday of this upcoming weekend. Moving on to MLS because we just had match day one happen. Inter-Miami kicked off the season last Wednesday, beating Real Salt Lake 2-0. Charlotte defeated NYCSC 1-0. And Portland and Phil Neville started really strong with a 4-1 win over Colorado. Maybe it wasn't a very hard competition. Colorado wasn't great last season and not off to a great start now. But what did you learn from match day one in the MLS? Uh, Well... It was the first game, first week. So there's always that excitement. The fans are excited. You know, I think Charlotte pulled in 60 something thousand. Most stands, yeah, yeah, most stands were full and packed and the energy was awesome, which then gives the players that that energy and, and desire and want to play. And we're all saying we're all 0-0, 0, 0, 0, 0 our, our record. So we all have a chance to win a championship. Um, sure. <laughs> so, so that excitement is there. But what I did think was of all the games that I watched and was able to, to catch – the quality of play, I think, was was a lot better. Now, that could be the first week, but I think, like, when you watch, I watched the real Salt Lake-Miami uh, game, and I watched, of course, the Miami-Galaxy um, game. And if you're going to be playing Messi, you better bring your A game. Not just because Messi's playing, because I don't even think Miami's even close to what their full stride's going to be. They look completely exhausted based just off of that preseason silly trip that they had to take. Yeah. But – you have who knows how many people are watching on Apple TV. The fans are completely, the stands are packed. So, like, you're going to be critiqued by fans, by 
journalists, by everybody. You you could here's your opportunity if you want to play in Europe. Here's your opportunity because so many people are watching. So many European clubs are watching. So like he has raised the standard of what you have to be and how you have to play just based on the eyes that are on you. And I'm I was picking games based on okay, you can look at all the betting schemes and what Miami's chances are to win and then who's the next team. So, like, I want to see this Forsberg for the Red Bull. I want to see what other DPs are in this league since Miami's bringing in Jordi Alba, Suarez, Messi, Busquets, and now we're getting, which I'm excited for, is Redondo's son is now signed in Miami, who I was a huge Redondo fan of his, his dad who played for Real Madrid and AC Milan and the Argentine national team. And if he's one-tenth of his dad, he'll be an amazing asset for Miami and the league itself. So you're like, you're picking and looking at these games and the Forsberg's, Forsberg's a quality, quality DP. He played great, I thought. I thought they were much better than Nashville and were always on the, the forefront. Um, I, thought, I thought the games were much, much better. The standard was much higher than they have been in the past. And I think that's that's part of the messy effect of there's so many more eyes on the league now. And the coaches that are being brought in, they're doing a much better job of not just bringing in a repeat coach. I mean, I know we have like Armis took over. He was a coach in the league, but he went to Europe and now he's back. But they're they're finding coaches that they think fit the style of play of the league and of the culture of their club. Dean Smith in Charlotte, the new yep. coach in Minnesota, like they're, they're doing a really good job, their due diligence, where it's not like, okay, arena goes from here to here to here to here to here to here. Here's his seven teams. Ziggy Schmidt back in the day. Like, they, they were just recycling coaches, I felt. Now, yeah, there's some in here that recycled their coaches, but they're looking at all over the, the world, the globe, to find their next coach. And I think that's another good sign for the MLS. It's going to bring in different styles and different tactical adjustments that are going to have to be made and the players are going to learn from it and the players are going to get better and the league's going to be better. And again, I think it's all part of, you know, Beckham and Messi and what yeah. they've done for the league and the growth they've done in such a short period of time. Right. It's been less than a year since Messi came to the States. It's almost hard to believe because of like the financial impact he's made, obviously the soccer impact, the amount of fans that the MLS has drawn since. And now to your point, players, feel that pressure now a little bit more. They know that they can't slack off. They know that Apple has made a massive investment on their league and people are going to be watching. And if they want to move out of MLS, if they want to keep their job in MLS, it, it has to be good every single game. Earlier in this show, we did an episode where we talked about what coach we'll be watching for this season. To your point, I think there's a lot more coaches now that I'm going to be watching just because of the impact that they've made. I mean, you see the recycling of coaches in every league. Like you see it in NFL, you right. see it in MLB. It's going to happen. For me, I watched the Charlotte game. I'm local to Charlotte. I was talking about Charlotte the other day. And Dean Smith has made, I think, a massive impact on that club. It was a home game for Charlotte. So you felt that energy. But you also saw the pressure of the, the team, like their defensive shape, their defensive pressure on NYCFC was really strong. And Enzo Cabetti is their only DP right now. I, they've reports that in the next few weeks they'll get a new one, but we'll see. Anywho, I thought he he obviously didn't score a goal, but his defensive pressure, his shape, his leadership really helped that team. There's a mix of young, a mix of old players 
play strong and together. And since they don't really, you know, Capetti's their DP, but he's not a superstar in my eyes and they don't have a massive superstar. Uh, they did a good job of working together. And I, I think that always starts at the top. Like if you can get a team on the same page, working together for one common goal in the first game of their season, you're off to the races. And this being Charlotte FC's third season, they continue to get better last year, making a, a wild card game. Um, I think this could be a really good year and they know the product they're making in Charlotte, right? Like there are so many fans, the amount of people who come out, the amount of people that are more fans of Charlotte FC than the Panthers is truly amazing. And I know there's nothing to cheer for when it comes for the Panthers. I totally get that, but still like NFL is always going to have fans. And the fact that we've got more, um, Charlotte FC fans showing up then the Panthers final game of the season here the tickets were going for 45 cents so that says a lot <laughs> <laughs> that's good oh they do that next year I might go yeah right <laughs> that's for the concessions cents. I'm only gonna go for the concessions not the unless they play the Bears then maybe but yeah I, I agree like I think it's gonna be interesting to see what Phil Neville does in Portland and how he changes it and puts his tacticals I think Phil Neville has a guy he can feed off of. And they have some really quality player, but the way Chara plays reminds me of how Phil Neville played in the midfield. So, like, here's a here's my captain, my leader, who sees the game very similar to me and my philosophy, and I'm the coach. So then when, when you have a, a Dean Smith take over Charlotte, and it's probably a good thing that they only have one DP and the DP isn't messy-like or, or yeah. that famous, and he's going to still work, and he's here because – this is a league that really wanted them and how many leagues did really want them and kind of a thing like that. But then you have a mix of old and young. And, and if it's just right, the old guys love helping the young guys and the long, young guys want to impress the old guys. And you can get a team that, hey, we might not be the better team, but that doesn't mean we can't win if we're all on the same page. And I think that's always been something Smith's been really good at, no matter where he's coached. So I think that's a that's a good what, – what Charlotte's done is – They've gotten rid of some DPs who thought they were better than they really were, wanted to be a certain way, and now he's brought it in and everyone's buying into his style of, of, of coaching, his philosophy on, on the game. And that's a real good philosophy for the MLS. That's teams that will do that and work and work for each other and defend first. That is the type of team that can go far in the MLS. We've heard so many things here about Dean Smith and how he's such a likable guy. People really respect him and people want to work hard for him. To your point about MLS teams, that's what they need. They need a leader who's obviously been there. He's worked with the best in the world, but now he's coming to MLS and he wants that same standard for his team now. So even the young guys, like we didn't even get into MLS Next Pro. There's some MLS Next Pro players that are kind of starting to move up and being potentially big names in MLS. And that shows that this league is investing in the young guys and they want them to, you know, uh, continually to grow and to end up in the MLS. And I think that's a good feeder system that certainly I'll be keeping my eyes on as the season goes on. Yeah. I think we're seeing it with um, the players who have traveled to Europe. A lot of them have started in the MLS and and they're having success and, and they're scoring goals and they're getting starts and they're getting playing time. So I think that's a good, good for the MLS to realize the more players that we develop, bring through, and let go, mm -hmm. the next generation is going to want to be the next generation that does a little bit better and leaves a little bit bigger of a, of a legacy. And, and that's good for the sport. That's good for the league. That's good for the country. So we can't hold on the players just to hold on the players so they stay in our league. Right. It, it's a never-ending cycle that we have to, to, to adapt to and be, be willing to understand that that's good and we have to let players go.
And, and, it, yeah. and it's working. It's good for our national team. Totally. Totally. And there might be some young bucks that we saw out there the other day that might end up getting some national team looks if, if they stay pretty consistent. That's what we want, right? Like we want to continue to grow the players here and see what they can do on our national team because we need some help in that department too. Before we move on to more news um, for MLS, I just wanted to make a quick comment about the season pass, like watching. I watched a little bit of the wrap up show to see if I can get a little bit more of what happened around the league they made it a little bit longer this season it's a little bit closer to the out to an hour mark i loved it last year at a 30 minute mark because i felt like i could get a little bit of everything uh now it's like an hour out of your day is is a lot more so just a small thing as somebody who's trying to like watch everything in the league and can't watch NWSL and MLS and everything else every weekend. But overall, the coverage was phenomenal. I think they did a really good job with their pairings this season. Yeah, I think it was a little bit easier to navigate, for one. Last year yeah. was not the easiest for me. In the beginning, wasn't easy to navigate. And then I think they've changed their camera angles again a little bit this year, which is really good. Now, granted, I spent the majority of it watching the Miami, so like any camera that's on Messi <laughs> is a good thing. But I'll tell you what about Miami also is – Besides being tired, I think they have like two things about Miami. I think one, and I would do the same thing I would think as a player, that they force feed their superstars a little bit, which gives them, they shouldn't be passing to Busquets, but he's there, so they do. And then it gets nicked and it gets sto stolen and taken away. Like a lot of the chances they've been giving up preseason and in the regular season is because they're forcing the ball to Messi. They force the ball to Alba. They force the ball to Busquets, which is which is understandable, but at the same time, that's what's kind of causing. So, like, I think as they go, they'll start to realize we have to get everybody involved, make the right play, and it'll eventually get to the right players on our team, Messi, Busquets, Alba, Suarez. If Suarez can get in shape, man, I feel bad for the guy. He, he, he looks like I feel <laughs> running around <laughs> out there. But the second game I would like to say is, and I think a lot of chirping started, and the LA Galaxy fans – we're like one of the first fans so far in the MLS that they were there for the Galaxy. Yes, mm -hmm. there was messy fans there, but for on the most part, they weren't they weren't like I think last year you went to LAFC and either it was a pink Miami shirt or an Argentina shirt. Yeah. And, and that's one of the best teams in the league. The Galaxy fans were there for the Galaxy. So they, they were chirping at at Messi in the beginning. Then the, the players started chirping, which I think you gotta be smart about when you chirp and wake the bear. Uh, right. They chirp, chirp, but then Messi, I was like, he ran back defensively. He did a little bit. He's reading that he can't walk so much this year because now it's the beginning of the year. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's fast. Everybody's fit. So you saw him a little bit more of a jog into the spaces because he's going to have to find those little gaps in spaces right in front of the defense, which last year they were a little bit bigger. This year, I think as the seasons go, they'll grow. But right now, he's going to have to do a little bit more work. And he was willing to do it. He was willing to work for his team, which I thought, again, was great for the league that he's not just here going to get there. And then, like, when he gets it, he's so good that even if he doesn't play defense, the, the 10 times he touches it is enough for the price of a mission kind of a thing. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And I, and I really like looking forward to seeing what happens to Miami because – I wouldn't really judge too much on the first two games because, I mean, they, they look – their legs look so heavy. And that's every – it's not just the older players. It's the young kids look heavy. The, they all look just like – I mean, what I think they did 24,000 miles of preseason, like just travel. That seems a bit, a bit much. So I'm sure they're looking in for a little international break or a weekend off just to, just to get their legs to recover. 
But I think if, if it was done right, they could be in the best shape the fastest of any team just because of all the work they've had to do in preseason. But we'll see yeah. how that, that plays out. So uh, this it, didn't Suarez. it did not help Suarez, though. No. Hey, I never feel bad for the guy, though. Come on, Scotty. Don't feel no, bad for the I, guy. Well, I'm, I'm a Suarez fan, though. I said it the first time. Not the first time. The second time he bit somebody, I was like, I would sign that guy on my team. He wants to win so bad he's willing to bite somebody. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> but, but it's kind of gross. Like he's out of shape. And because yeah. he's out of shape, he can't work good to get his knee back in shape. So it, it almost looks like that's one of the, you got to be in shape to be able to get back from an injury and he is out of shape. And because of it, he can't work hard enough to get his knee right. So hopefully, hopefully he'll be able to somehow get fit so that he can get his, his knee back to the right way, at least better than it. Because he could barely move in the last game. How old he, is he now? 36. I want to say. Yeah. They're, they're all, you know, they're, they're pretty much all up there. Yeah. Messi, Suarez, Alba, Busquets. It's going to take a little bit longer than it normally would for him. Correct. But and that's what I mean. Like, usually you come back, okay, you had a little procedure on your knee, but you're fit. Like, he, he's out of shape and an older player that needs to get fit in order to make his rehab do better. And he can't, he can't do the rehab like it should because he's just not fit enough to do it. Right. And, and that's what I think is what right now what, for him is like, how can we get this guy fit? in order to be able to do his rehab better so we have a better product on the field. Because you can see his intelligence and his touch. He just can't get there. He just he just can't get to balls. Right. Well, I mean, it's only match day one. They play Inter-Miami has Orlando next Saturday, or I should say this Saturday at 4.30 Eastern time. And then Minnesota plays Columbus Crew. They won't have their new head coach yet, but they did hire Manchester United's former first team coach to be their second ever coach and Eric Ramsey. He's 32 years old. He'll be the MLS's youngest head coach ever. Um, he'll leave the club after they play Manchester City on Sunday. Minnesota, they beat Austin. Yeah, it'll be a bit, it'll be a big game. Minnesota beat Austin 2-1 last week. I mean, what is this? And this is a continuing a conversation about coaches, but what does this say about the future of MLS and the type of coaches they're trying to attract? Uh, that's what I'm saying. I, I think by bringing in and looking around to all the different nations and all the different styles, they're saying, here's a league. We want it to be better, and we're going to bring in what we think works for us as an organization, our fans, our style of play. Like I think St. Louis hit it right nail on the head. Boom. I think Dean Smith totally. is perfect for Charlotte. Uh, Martino in Miami, perfect for him. Uh, Parea in, in Orlando, perfect. I think Mascherano is perfect in Real Salt Lake. Um, I think he's going to be a good coach. He's going to be good for them. I think, I think he's got players there that will adapt to his style. If you remember Pablo as a player, he was a super hardworking. You know, he he was ready to battle. That's what his team does. I heard a great stat in the first game against Miami is Pablo Mascherano's teams have never lost two in a row. He's never lost two games in a row. Like that's an amazing stat for a coach to like his ability to adjust and come back and get morale back and and what he does with his team and his lineup and his formations. Like that's a that's a really good sign of a really good coach that's been at places that. He hasn't always had the quality player to match, I think, the quality of his ability, which is which is great. He's a state guy. You know, he's actually a friend. I'm not just saying it because he's a friend, but like that, that the, what he's puts on the field, the product he puts on the field is a 
direct reflection of who he is. And when he gets the right players, his teams can compete and can, and can play well in this league. But that's what I'm saying. Like the league is adapting to, it doesn't just have to be the name that the American public know. Like I remember when it first started, they were going for the big name college guys, Bob Riasso, arena, Bob Bradley. And I'm not saying they're bad coaches, but that's what the American public knows. Now they're bringing in coaches that they don't care if the American public knows them. They're going to get to know them based on putting them through the, through the team orientation and stuff like that and how they adapt with the public and how they, they meet the, the fans and stuff like that. And then the product they put on the field. And I think that's a real good sign for the MLS that they're out going outside the box and finding their coaches wherever they may, they might need their coaches to fit their, their style of play and their culture that they're creating. Carolina did find a coach that was took you a little bit too literally, Scotty. Like Dean Smith is a very famous name here in the Carolinas. <laughs> so, but no, I agree. I think it's really cool. They're outsourcing. They've got coaches that players respect, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a really exciting season. I know we say that every year, but with the amount of coaches they're bringing in, the DPS, the what we've seen on the field tactically, um, overall, it's gonna be good. Minnesota finished their they finished last year in 11th place in Western Conference. So being bringing in a coach like Ramsey hopefully can turn the tide for them this season. NWSL kits were released Tuesday morning and they did not disappoint us at all. Everyone really changed things up. There were a few teams that were consistent and in line with what they've done over the last few years. Thank God Portland got rid of the Ed Hardy jerseys. We will not be seeing those any longer. For me, San Diego Wave absolutely blew it out of the water. First of all, their colors are amazing, and they had to do something creative in my eyes with it. Uh, they did something with the with the sun, like the Del Sol thing, the sun with the waves. Um, you can see it on NWSL's website. You can see it all over Twitter, Instagram, wherever. Racing Louisville did like this checkered pattern that goes in line with, or what do they call it, Chevron? That goes in line. Yeah, they, with, they usually have a little bit of a nod to the Kentucky Derby the and the horse racing. Yeah, and the uniforms that the check. horse racers wear. So I always like their uniforms too. I've always liked Louisville's uniforms, even in yeah. the past. I liked them. I like I like the checkered or the chevron pattern, but San Diego for me, I mean, blew it out of the water. I think that was my favorite. I typically like a classic look, but this time I'm here for San Diego and the wave. What what was your favorite of the? I like the Carolina. Mean, I'm in Carolina and. I, but I like theirs. I, I liked I liked their their second jersey, which I, I got to see theirs. And I'm sure I saw Orlando's two jersey, and they stayed with the purple for the one. Yeah, let's new talk. Wait, don't move on from Orlando. Let's actually talk about that real quickly because they're wearing a little bit of an orange color. It's literally Houston's color. To me, that's a bit confusing. I like the jersey itself, but I would have. I think I'd rather see the dash in it. Why do you think Orlando went with that move? I don't know. I think we're going to find out like as you go through it, like you were saying about the Del Sol, and then they they have that saying, uh, you said it earlier, find our horizon together or something. Yeah. But I think like when you look at Carolina's logo and the courage, like just because I'm here, like there's more that ties into just what you see. Like, oh, it's a star. Like there's things that are in Carolina's that is a nod to Raleigh, the, the state capital or North Carolina, like things that have happened. So I would think – there's things in every uniform that is a little bit that we don't that we don't know exactly right now, but there's a there's a little indications of what the city's about or what the state's about, kind of a thing. So I don't know if they went with that color for the sun or or the, the orange so, state, you know, the citrus state. I don't know. 
Yeah, you nailed it. The Orlando Pride's Man. 24 primary. There you go. You knew. Citrus <laughs> I pit. I did it, I like, swear. <laughs> you read it before. We all know. I did it. <laughs> They said Citrus Kit takes direct inspiration from Central Florida's citrus industry. I used to live in Orlando and we had an orange tree in our backyard and we literally made fresh fresh orange juice all the time. So I respect that. I love that. I miss fresh orange juice here in the Carolinas. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, What were we going to say about you mentioned North Carolina's kit. Kansas City kind of played it safe. I know they were kind of going with the Missouri River theme. Right, right. Uh, Like, um. I think that's they do a good job of that, and I think Nike's got a big part of that. Like, I will say yeah. this. I am not talking about the colors in the MLS, but whoever came up with the, the what would you call it, the design of the actual fit of the Adidas that the MLS guys are wearing is horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll say Mexico's girls last night wear the uniform better than the men wear the uniform. It look, they, they're, they're, the back of the uniform is longer than the front it's just they have that stripe going down and it goes it looks like a i don't know if it's a cape or a long like it's just a who said yes at adidas to do that whereas when you watch the nikes that just came out i was like and i'm not i've never gotten a jersey i've never owned a jersey i've never traded jerseys with it just wasn't my thing but like the the nwsl one is like i could see myself wearing one out if i went to a nightclub i could see myself wearing one out if i went like not not just uh, an NWSL game, but like if I went to the Hurricanes game, I could wear another. Or if I went to an NC State game, I would wear the Carolinas uniform and be like, "This is what I, this is my dress up kind of." Because they have good looks. Like I like how the NWSL put them out there. It wasn't like they were in the full kit. It was just the, the uniform top, and they look like okay, we're going to we're going to an event. And I could well, see like if I went to the country the, the state fair here, I could see myself wearing a any one of those uniforms really. I yeah. think they're they, the way they were anything like, they job. in the Carolinas, though. True, no one would turn true, that. <laughs> Usually I just wear overalls with no shirt on because that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you could totally do that. No one would care. Yeah, if you No, I'd be you, like, I would be in the majority. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. You would be a normal. Um, yeah, no, they released that photo like with racing in their Chevron kit. The girl was wearing a green polo underneath it. That was cool. Seattle Reigns jersey. They played it a little more safe with the classic look, but I really love it. And yeah, the girl was popped. wearing like, the, the, the blue with it. and the gold that it popped. The, the two colors really went well together. Totally. Yeah. The North Carolina jersey is like a blue, but then it's a lighter blue. So there's a lot of uh, yeah. There's a design in it. I think Portland has the same jersey, but the reds are too similar to tell that the design's the same. If I if I looked at it correctly. Yeah, no, you're right. Portland red looks very similar to the, and that's usually, you know, Nike makes a shirt and they have this, like, this is the design that they do. And then they just put your colors in there kind of a thing. But I I did, I like Carolina. I like the, whatever the other, the uniform is, it's pink or hot pink or whatever the colors. I don't really know, but I I like that one. I like pink uniforms. Um, It'll, it'll be also cool to see how they match the color of shorts with the color of socks with, is it all one set? Is it, We'll see as it goes, I think, as the league, as the season starts. But they, I Portland, thought they did a much better job than definitely the MLS did. Yeah, we saw a picture of Janine Becky in a red, the red kit with the shorts and the socks that had the thorns for the roses on, on the socks. And a little bit of, that's what you kind of saw in the jersey that was different from what the Courage have. Bay FC played it really safe. Utah played it really safe. I thought the warm-up jerseys for both of those 
teams were the best part of it. Uh, same with Angel City, pretty safe. But that's not a bad thing. I think like each league kind of needs a classic look. Like that's what DC United has. And, that's that's uh, what I get from Bay City's colors and the B and everything. It's kind of like yeah. they're old school. So I, I like that they kind of stayed old school black, right? It's black and white. And mm -hmm. uh, I think they're going to be able to have some pretty sweet uniforms though. I'll tell you what, those I just black and white's a, an easy uniform kind of to like, to get a good, to get a good. And you can wear on. it with different color. Like you could wear the hat you're wearing right now. You could wear like pink pants. You can always wear an NC state hat, Anna. You can always no, wear you can't. You actually shouldn't. I should take that back. Come on. <laughs> or you could like with the, with what I thought, um, we haven't talked about the spirit yet. The spirit with their black jerseys, but then the yellow. The backstory behind that is like the yellow's the spotlight. Like Michelle Kang wants this club to oh. be the spotlight team. So knowing that story, I think is is really cool. I'm not a huge fan of yellow. You know, when you're tan, I think you know yellow looks better. So the players are going to be in the sun a little bit more. It's not a winter league, but uh, yeah, no, I, I'm not. I think that's it's cool. why I they have yellow. That's what Washington Spirit put out in their press release this morning. I love it. And she's doing it, man. I'll tell you what, they just signed with Mars, the candy, Snickers and everybody. Yeah. She's a beast. <laughs> Mars, yes. Yeah, she's putting them in the spotlight. I, that's the team I would want to play for, I think. She's going to hold everybody to the highest standard. And if you don't, I think she's going to just ship you out. That's going to be good. Spirit unveiled the club's two groundbreaking new kits. The kits known as the Blackout and Spotlight, respectively, represent the journey of the club under majority owner Michelle King's visionary leadership. So, yeah, she wants this club to be spot spotlit across the world. And that's certainly what will probably happen with, with what right. she's done so far and, and where yeah. she's headed. I don't doubt it. Um, that is it for this week's show. I mean, NWSL will be here in two weekends from now. MLS is headed in to their second week of play. U.S. Women's National Team this weekend in the quarterfinals. Don't know who they're playing. Likely it's going to be Canada, which would be really fun. I, I hope that one ends up playing out that way, Saturday or Sunday. Um, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at SFTPPod. You can also follow us every single week and watch us on YouTube. If you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that would be really helpful just to – get the word out there about our show and anything you guys want us to talk about feel free to leave a comment uh any questions in the bottom of the show on youtube and we will see you back here next wednesday have a great week <laughs>